Come on, who's happy? All right, I'm looking around. I want you to know you look good. I see Jesus on you. Why don't you turn to your neighbor, look right at him, and ask him this question. Look right at him and say, have you lost weight? You look amazing. <laughs> All right, now turn to your second choice. <clears throat> look at them, and I want you to say this. I want you to say, I can see you. Oh, come on, guys. I can see you in your future, and you look much better than you look right now. It's an honor to be here, uh, to be invited by Pastor John and Chris uh, uh, to, to help add value this weekend is an, such an honor. Uh, John and Chris Leach are amazing uh, people. John is actually an overseer for me uh, in my church, and one of the first people that I met uh, when I moved from Louisiana to Colorado uh, to help first uh, with the worship ministry at Res, our church, and then to take over and be the lead pastor there. And he's been an encourager. I don't know anyone who can honor people as powerfully as uh, John Leach. And he's been uh, generous and has built me up. And so, um, so with all that in mind, I, I promise you I'm not going to do any damage today. I'll try to add value and honor my friend. And so can we first do that by uh, honoring John and Chris Leach for their contribution, their legacy of ministry. It's so good. So good. And uh, it's an important weekend in my life. My wife over here, everybody just waved to Amy. Come on, everybody say hi, Amy. We're celebrating 23 years of marriage yesterday, so that was our anniversary. And we have a family, so let's look at the picture. If we have this uh, picture of our crew, our family. There we are. All right, so, so this is our crew. All the way on the right is my daughter, Madeline. Madeline left home. Uh, she, she went to college. She left home uh, this past year. How many parents of kids still living at home do we have here today? All right, I have a prayer for you, and that is that your kids leave home as soon as possible. And I want to tell you why. Because every time one of our kids leaves, Madeline is our second child to leave home. Every time one of your kids leaves home, you get a raise. Yeah. All right. So to the left of Maddie is Sam. He's 13. He's a quarterback. He has a tender heart for, uh, for God. And then uh, Amy, myself, and then on the left is Sarah. She's our drama queen, the life of the party. She lights up a room everywhere she goes. And then all the way on the left is my son, Nathan, and his wife, Maddie. So yes, I have a son uh, who is married, and they have everything they need in life except money. And uh, yeah, and as, uh, as Jake told you guys just a few minutes ago, they gave us an announcement. There's another picture I think we have, and that is uh, we're going to have... Uh, a grandson. So the end of February, Amy and I are going to be grandparents. And I told her this weekend, I said, Amy, I think we look pretty good for grandparents. Come on. All right. <laughs> it's been so much fun. I told my church, we're going to be grandparents. And, and uh, several, maybe a month or two ago, and, and uh, all these gray hairs started coming up to me after church, you know, big smiles on their face, no teeth, but big smiles. And uh, I'm just kidding. They have dentures. And so they walk up to me and uh, it's so funny, though, they walk up and they're just, and, and they all say the same thing, something like this, welcome to the club. It's awesome. It almost makes having kids worth it. <laughs> I love that so much. All right, so anyway, it's good to be here. Uh, what I want to do, I want to share a message with you that I think is centrally biblical. I think it will add value, uh, and I think it will pass the who cares test in your life. And it really touches on the uh, idea of generosity of spirit, generosity in all areas. And it really is a simple premise. And I'm going to take this whole time talking to you today to kind of unpack this biblically and through some stories. And it's very simply this. Here's the whole premise of the message today. 
No punchlines. I'm not going to save anything for the end. It's this. The Bible says every good and perfect thing comes from God. Okay. How many of you have received something good from heaven? Right. And God gives it freely. But when we receive something from God, when God gives us something, he only asks one thing of us. And that is that we give some of it away. That we give some of it away. I want you to think about this now in, in terms of the kingdom of God. How many of you know there are two kingdoms that are at war with each other? There's a kingdom in heaven where there's no contradiction, no sorrow, no disease, no death, no dying. And then there's the kingdom of this world where all those things exist and they bring us pain. And those kings, kingdoms are at war with each other. And Jesus, when he came 2,000 years ago, he came and he preached the kingdom. He said, the kingdom of heaven is as close as your faith. And then he started to act like he represented the kingdom of heaven because he would start bringing the reality of heaven into people's broken realities. Yes? yes. By the way, I preach faster if you're more responsive. You'll get, <laughs> you get out of here quicker. And then he empowers his disciples. He breathes on them. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he sends them out. And Matthew 10, verses seven and eight, he says this. As you go, so now Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's led by example. Now he's sending. He says, as you go, proclaim this message. Preach this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And then he basically unpacks in verse eight the idea, then act like it. He says, heal the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. And then connected to this, Jesus's words, not mine, connected to the idea of bringing the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom of this world. He says, freely you have received, freely give. The name of this message today is give it away. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to be with my friends here at Jubilee. I pray God that you would speak a word into our hearts that first would sensitize us to the amazing gifts you've already given us and then light our hearts and our imaginations on fire to look around for places to spend the grace that you've given us to begin with. We bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Jesus is saying here that the kingdom of heaven spreads through generosity. He says, hey, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the leper. Freely you've received this, Go out and freely give it. All of this is, is warfare, spiritual warfare. Okay, think about this, healing the sick. When someone who is sick is supernaturally healed, what is happening there? Have you ever seen someone supernaturally healed of a disease or a sickness? Oh my goodness, very few things build a person's faith, like seeing someone supernaturally healed. And, uh, and I've seen it. And what is that about? Well, what that is about is, is a person like you and I, we, we get sick because that's what happens in nature. Sickness and death, it really is kind of inevitable in nature. But the kingdom of heaven has no sickness or death. And it seems like through faith, somebody, an intercessor, somebody that has faith, they reach their hand into the situation of the person who's sick and the other hand into heaven and they connect them. And the kingdom that brings healing is the kingdom of heaven. And, it, and it's like warfare to the kingdom of this world. You guys with me? Yes. So healing the sick is an act of warfare. It's where the kingdom of heaven overcomes the kingdom of this world. Raise the dead, same thing. Cleanse the leper. I'm not gonna take a lot of time to unpack that concept, but I want you to know cleansing the leper is one step further than just being supernaturally healed. We've already covered that. Jesus says, heal the sick. But then two phrases later, he says, then cleanse the leper. Well, why would he say 
those two things if they're both just supernatural healing. You have to understand cleansing a leper was not just about being healed. It was about someone who was isolated from community because they had this contagious disease that carried a stigma and they could be uh, hard to look at because of the, the damage of their, of their uh, physicality. The visceral look of them would be unpleasant. They could be missing fingers and toes. And so the idea that they were stigmatized and separated comes into play here. And Jesus is saying, hey, make sure that when you see a leper and you see that person supernaturally healed, you don't just leave them there with the stigma, but you also cleanse them and reconnect them to community, which was the action and responsibility of a prophet in Leviticus 14. In Leviticus 14, when a leper was healed supernaturally, they were not allowed to just walk into the city. How many of you know that would be risky for somebody who has a contagious disease to just say, I'm healed, guys. I'm coming in. Give me a big hug. You know what I mean? It's like that could be dangerous. So the way that they would cleanse the leper and prove that they were ready to come back into community is a priest inside the city would hear the cry of the leper who says, I'm healed. They're outside the city. See if this will preach, guys. A priest who's, who's healthy and whole, Here's the cry of the leper who, who is separated by this line of separation. And that leper by law can't cross that line to come into the city. The priest has to be willing to risk their life to walk across that line of separation to touch the leper, to inspect that person and to say, use their credibility, use their credibility to go back into the community and say, it's as he's claimed, he's healed. And because they trust the priest, they accept the leper. That's cleansing the leper. Isn't it interesting? We're talking about the kingdom of God and, and the kingdom of this world going to war with each other. It seems to me that the kingdom of this world seeks to isolate people. And the kingdom of heaven seeks to connect people. In community, when Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount and he went down the mountain, the first thing that he sees is a person who has leprosy. They position themselves in his path, themselves in his path, and they say, if you are willing, will you make me clean? And he said, I'm willing. And what did he do? He didn't just supernaturally heal him, did he? He did that, but he also touched him. Because Jesus is a priest, the Bible says, of the order of Melchizedek. And so he was able to step into this isolated man's life and not just bring him healing, but to touch him and reconnect him to community to say that I'm touching him, that means you can too. The laws of nature are represented in the kingdom of this world. The laws of nature say that if someone who is healthy touches someone who has leprosy, their skin is corrupt, then both become corrupt. Yes? But the laws of supernature say something else. The kingdom of heaven says something else, and that is when something that is clean touches something that is corrupt, both become clean. I say, I feel the presence of the Lord in this place right now. And Jesus is saying, heal the sick, raise the dead, reconnect the isolated into community. Cast out demons. Guys, I don't know if this is controversial, but just, just you and me talking about demons, I don't like them. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Anyway, people need to be free of demons. You can write that down. Okay, and then freely you've received, freely give. This idea of generosity spreads the kingdom. Greed is so subtle. You know, people think, I'm not greedy. I've been in ministry longer. Listen, I'm, I'm older than I've ever been. Anybody else? Are you older than you've ever been? I've been in ministry longer than I've, you know, today than I've ever been. And in all of my life, in all of my ministry, I've had people come up to me and they've admitted to marital infidelity and, and living under like the judgments of other people and bitterness 
lust, like all these things people have confessed to. I have never in my ministry had a single person come to me and say, please pray for me. I am so greedy. I just love money so much. My precious. You know, it's like nobody does that. Which means it's either not an issue at all or it's so pervasive we don't even realize it's in our hearts. Luke twenty two fifteen, Jesus says, watch out, be on your guard, be vigilant against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. What are you living for? What do you think real life is? What are you spending most of your time doing? Going after stuff? Going after things? Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Matthew 6, 24, talking about these two kingdoms, the kingdom of this world that, that really is gravitationally pulling toward selfishness and the kingdom of heaven that is gravitationally pulling toward generosity. Freely you receive, freely give. It really comes to a head in this verse of scripture, Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve both of these masters. No one can serve both of these kingdoms. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Now, I'm not telling you that rich people can't go to heaven. That is not my message today. But what I'm saying is don't lie to yourself. Don't think, don't, don't say, you know what, I'm serving God, when really you're spending most of your waking life going after stuff. Got quiet in here. I must be... Uh, Moving from preaching to meddling. Hey, there was one time, only one time in the Bible that someone asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and were, they were rejected. Okay, there were other times people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, but only once did somebody ask to be baptized and they were turned down. We're talking about you can't serve both kingdoms at the same time. You're either building up the kingdom of heaven or you're building up your own kingdom. Well, there was a guy named Simon who was, uh, he used spiritual power to earn money for himself. And so he, he sees these apostles and they have this amazing power superior to what he had. And they, he started to listen and pay attention. It's because they had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so he went to them and he said, hey, I will pay you money if you will baptize me in the Holy Spirit. I want you to hear this through this, the lens of this message. You can't, you can't build your kingdom and the kingdom of heaven. You have to choose. And what was he saying? Simon was saying, hey, I'm gonna pay you so I can get this power of the kingdom of heaven so I can build my kingdom financially. I'm gonna sell this blessing. And they told him, not only did they say no, they said, this is evidence, you trying to pay us, evidence that you're captive to sin and full of bitterness. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Come on, guys, so positive. Sounds negative, Pastor, but I'm positive it's true. You know, that ought to count for something. You can't serve both masters. You're either building the kingdom of heaven or your own kingdom. And I think sometimes we try to straddle. We want a little bit of Holy Spirit so that we can go do some things that we want to do. And that's, I think that's the human struggle. But it's an illusion because you really can only, you're either taking one brick from your own kingdom and building the kingdom of heaven. So diminishing that kingdom and building up the kingdom of heaven. Or you're taking a brick out of the kingdom of heaven and you're building up your own kingdom. You can't do both at the same time. If you guys are with me, give me a good amen, somebody. Amen. So the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of heaven are at war. But how do you know, how do you identify for your own self which is which? 
And this is the easiest way I can think of. The kingdom of this world is when you and I do life with a big sign over our life that has the word me. And in this kingdom, I am the star of my own movie. It was written by me, directed by me, produced by me. I get all the best jokes. I get all the best punchlines. Have you ever had someone tell you a story about an argument they were in? Have you ever noticed no one ever admits to losing an argument? Whenever you tell your own story, it's like you're the funny one, you're the clever one, you're the sane one. Oh, it's quiet in here. This is fun. I'm enjoying myself. And uh, we always make ourselves the hero of our own stories, right? Well, the thing about that is when you live under that banner that says me, you're living under the kingdom of this world. And when you see other people getting ahead, that's confusing. It's like, wait a minute, this is my story. Why is that person winning? And I don't feel like I'm winning. It's not fair. And then we start to question God. We start to question all kinds of things, the fairness of life, or why do bad things happen to good people, you know? Then there's this other kingdom over your, the life of, of, of that person, the word God. It's the kingdom of God. And it's, you're, in this story, listen, you're not the star. God is. In fact, you and I are just honored to be extras. Right? You're not the star, but the story is so much bigger. God is the director. God is the writer. God is the producer. And when you see someone else move ahead in life, instead of it being discouraging, confusing, it's inspiring. It's like, wait a minute, the same God that prospered him, that prospered her, has promised to be faithful to me too. And it fires me up like the same God that did that. In other words, it has the power of testimony. When that person, when God does something great for them, God can do something great for me too. What kingdom would you rather build? What kingdom would you rather build? A kingdom that is all about you or a kingdom that's all about God and you're just honored to be a part of the story? Paul, the apostle, he said, hey, when I was a kid, I used to think like a kid, talk like a kid, act like a kid. Then I became a man and I learned how to grow up. Well, Amy and I, we've had uh, uh, four of those beautiful little babies. And let me tell you about those beautiful little babies. They're soft when they're first born. They're cuddly. They smell good, you know. <laughs> and anyway, and, and they have these little jelly necks. They can't hold their heads up, you know. So you have to hold their heads. Unless you put something in a baby's hand. And then with military precision, their head snaps up. It's amazing, right? It's a survival thing. And it doesn't matter what is in that baby's hand. It could be a rock. It could be a roach. It doesn't matter. Indiscriminate. Self-selfishness. And the first thing, let me say this. I'll be overly simplistic. The thing that you teach children to, to really separate immaturity from maturity is this thing. Share. Share. Mine. Well, you can share, right? That is, I think that's the battle. And a lot of us go through life spiritually, relationally this way. We grab toxic relationships, unhealthy relationships, codependency. We just keep trying to fill that place because we're still, still kind of living like immature people. Is this good preaching? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, this is good preaching, I needed this. Share. When God gives us something, all he asks 
is that we give it away. Let me unpack a couple of ideas because this is a truism throughout the Bible, all kinds of topics. You can see it with love. Let's look on the screens at 1 John 4, 21. Let's look at this verse of scripture. And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must also love people. Another translation says, you can't say you love God if you withhold love from people. How many of you know God is love and God first loved us? Okay, so, so love is a gift to us. And when God gave us his love, all he asks is that we give it away to other people. And when you and I say, oh, I love God, but we're jerks to the people around us, we're lying. Because when God gives us love, he only asks one thing of us, and that's that we give it away. Same thing about forgiveness. Same thing. What does the Bible say? Matthew 6, 14, 15. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Wow. Jesus would tell a story, a made-up story. It's called a parable, where a very wealthy man uh, had this massive debt. Someone owed him millions of dollars. And he forgave the man this massive debt. Now put yourself in the position of the guy who just got forgiven. You're, man, there's a pep in your step. It's like, I never, I thought I would never get out of this debt. Yeah. And now you're free. And Jesus continues to tell the story that the guy who just got set free considers a friend of his who owed him some, a few pennies. And instead of releasing him the way he had been forgiven, he white-knuckled that small debt and he made that man pay him. This is Jesus' made-up story. This is Jesus' perfect made-up story to teach us the truth. And what did Jesus say? Do you guys remember this story? What did he say? When the very wealthy man found out that the guy he had just forgiven would not share that mercy with other people, he put that debt back on him and threw him in prison. When God gives us forgiveness, all he asks is one thing. Come on, guys, that we give it away. But Jonathan, you don't know the jerks that live around me, the people that have betrayed me, the people that have hurt me. They don't deserve to be forgiven. Well, did you deserve to be forgiven? By the way, that's the definition of mercy is something that is undeserved. Okay? So God's saying, hey, instead of you being judge and jury, why don't you just be a person who freely receives mercy and then look for places to spend it? Yeah. And if you need help, I can help you. Jesus says, whatever we do for the least, we've done for him. So just ask yourself this. You're not gonna like me after this. Ask yourself this question. Who do I want to forgive the least? Matthew 7, we're talking about now restoration. Uh, I, won't, I won't read this scripture. I'll just tell it to you. Pastor, you're using a lot of scripture. How many of you know it's a good career move for a preacher to use the Bible? <laughs> Everything else is just opinions and they don't help. So okay. <laughs> All right. So Matthew 7, where Jesus talks about the, the log in your own eye and the speck in other people's eyes. Do you remember that story? What is that about? I always thought that was about, hey, don't, don't be judgy, you judgy judger. You know, that's what I thought it was about. Like, don't judge people. And that's part of it. But actually, Jesus teaches this, but he goes to a destination with his teaching. Let's look at what he says here. Just one verse. Verse 5, Matthew 7, verse 5. He says, hypocrite, first take... Now, keep in mind, we've always thought this is about judging people when we're guilty of the same sin, but this is really what it's about. First, take the plank out of your own eye. Look at this, guys. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck 
from your brother's eye. What is it saying? Jesus is saying, instead of judging people, using your energy to describe other people's deficiencies, why don't you use your energy to seek freedom? And when you find freedom, help other people find freedom. Because when God gives us freedom, all he asks is one thing, and that's that we give freedom away. Man, I'm preaching myself happy. <laughs> Generosity, Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. Look at this. For with the measure you use, with the measure that you and I use to give stuff away, it will be measured to you. God is saying, I want to be so generous with you, but I just need to make sure that you're going to be generous with other people. Because when he gives us something, he asks that we give it away. Okay. Pastor, man, I'm fired up. I'm going to give. Pastor, I think I'll tithe today. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try tithing. So let me just say this. A single act of generosity takes a brick out of the selfish kingdom and builds one brick in the kingdom of God. It's awesome, and it starts with the first step. But I gotta warn you about first steps, even healthy ones. All right, in January, January the 12th, I'm gonna be running the Disney World Marathon, 26 miles. So I have been, and look at me, I'm corn-fed. Like this is, <laughs> so I've been working on this. I've been training, all right? And last week I ran 18.2 miles in a single run, okay? That's way further than I've ever run before. Uh, and I'm gonna tell you something, since I only did it once, now how many of you know running it can be healthy, right? That's a good thing, it's not a bad thing. But running 18.2 miles for the first time, I, just between you and me, my feet hurt, <laughs> my knees hurt. And for about two days, I was like, was that the right thing to do? Because I had to heal up. Listen to me, even doing healthy things once sometimes hurts. So some of you are gonna be like, I'm gonna tithe today. And you're gonna realize there's this invisible string between your heart and your wallet. And you're gonna go, ah, ah. And you're, and you're gonna tithe and your spiritual feet are gonna hurt. And your spiritual knees are gonna hurt. Listen to me, but just keep doing it. As I keep running, then 18 miles, it won't hurt me anymore. So I felt that way about five miles. So now running five miles is like super easy. The first time I ran five miles, it hurt. But you know what? Now, it's not a problem at all. Running 18 miles hurts, okay? But as I keep doing that, that won't hurt me anymore. As you continue to build a culture, or a repeatable habit of generosity, it begins to build a culture of generosity. And a culture of generosity is friendly territory to heaven and hostile territory to hell. When you and I live generously, it makes it really hard for the enemy of our soul to operate in our lives. You don't believe me? Why do you think the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil? When you and I are generous, it makes it very difficult for Satan to work in our lives. So this idea of a single act of generosity versus repeated generosity, and then the kind of culture of generosity that attracts the blessings of heaven and drives out Satan is actually found right in the Bible, and it has to do with tithing. Now, I'm going to read this to you, Malachi 3, but before I do, I want to let you know, I want to be honest with you, Pastor John did not ask me to talk about tithing, and I don't work on commission, so if you give a lot or a little, it does not affect my quality of life one bit. So then why would I come to your church as a guest 
and talk to you about tithing. Because I want you to win. And this is what the Bible says about that. Malachi 3. Bring all the tithes to the storehouse. That's the church. That there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. What, what, is, what is God saying there? He's saying, I'm gonna give you so much, you have to give some away. And it gets better. Verse 11, and God is speaking, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Let me ask you the easiest set of questions you have ever been asked in your life. Who wants the windows of heaven and blessing open over your life? Amen. Not a trick question. It's amazing some of you didn't raise your hand just then. <laughs> Who wants God to personally rebuke the devourer from your home? Yes. Well, the Bible says this is a, a mechanism of blessing, a, a building a culture of generosity, making God first place. I'm from Louisiana, and food is our love language. Yeah. We, uh, <clears throat> we, uh, we love, we have good food. Listen, there, there are gas stations in Louisiana that have better food than a lot of the restaurants in Denver. <laughs> Truth hurts. And, uh, and we deep fry everything. Oh, man, have you ever had Popeye's chicken? That's Louisiana right there. I love Popeye's chicken. I blow bubbles with the skin. I anoint people for ministry. Come on, that's good stuff. But anyway, food is our love language. And so I, I was in Louisiana and I heard this illustration from another guy from Louisiana. And he talked about there are two ways of giving. That we can give under this banner that says me, or we can give under this banner that says this is all God's. And he used pies, pumpkin pies, as an illustration. I feel the presence of God right now. Come on. All right. And this is what he said. When you and I give under the banner that says me, we, even if you make a million dollars a year or 5,000 a year, it's still represented by a pie, right? 100% of something. And so this is the way we operate a lot of times whenever we think it's ours. When we mistakenly think everything's about us. We say, all right, first, I'm gonna pay the government. I hate paying taxes, but I'm gonna pay the government first. Wait a minute, pastor. Are you trying to say, wait, should I pay my tithes before taxes? or after taxes. Should I pay my tithes on the net or the gross? Well, that depends if you want a net blessing or a gross blessing. <laughs> anyway, so when it's under our own kingdom, we say, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build, my, uh, build my kingdom. So I start paying taxes first. I make the government first place. And then health insurance. Oh man, so expensive. More expensive every year. It's almost tough to feel secure in that area anymore. And then, got to pay our bills. I don't know, guys. It got cold last night. I like heat in my house, right? Got to pay my bills. We have four kids, so many kids. They're expensive. <laughs> my goodness, just so expensive. Right? And then, I work hard. I like Disney World. I'm going to go on a vacation. <laughs> I deserve it. I work hard. Right? So then we go to Disney. By the way, I love Disney. I'm not knocking Disney. And then you walk through Park Meadows Mall and you see the Tesla store. And it's like, I have a cool car and it's paid for. 
but that thing is quiet like a ninja. And I work hard and I deserve that Tesla. The Model 3 is affordable anyway. All right. And then you come to Jubilee and your friend from Loveland comes to, to call. And I talk about generosity. I say, hey, we're going to give to God this weekend. And this is the way we do it. After we've done all that other stuff, building our own lives, this is how we give to God. You're welcome. <laughs> right? But there's another way to give. Under the banner that says, God, every good and perfect gift comes from God. It's all about you, God. You've been faithful to me. You've given me an amazing wife and kids, a ministry. You have blessed me in so many ways, too many ways to count. And it is my privilege to give to you first, to make you first. So I'm going to give the first 10% of what you've given me back to you. Because when you give me something, all you ask is that I give some of it away. So as an act of worship, which is what some of you will do in just a minute, you give to the house of God first. And then here's the rest. I want you to see this. When you start by giving to God, then look what happens with the rest. Everything else you have begins and ends with God. It marks, it defines everything else that you own. It consecrates everything you have. And I want you to have everything in your life consecrated to heaven. Amen? You have time for one more story? Because really, I didn't come here to talk about money. I came here to talk about everything. I, listen, God doesn't want your money. He wants everything. He wants your heart, your energy, your influence, your friendship. He wants everything. He wants to be your Lord. There was a, a, a family that came to our church just a couple years ago, the Mullen family, Ryan Mullen, and he has a son named Kai. And Ryan and his family, they've been going to church their entire lives, but they've been going like consumers. They went to hear the messages, good message, bad message, medium message, to hear the music, good music, bad music, medium music, volume, too loud, too quiet, just right. Although I never hear anyone say it's just right. <laughs> they were consuming the goodness of God, but they weren't spending it anywhere. So the Mullen family, they come to our church and we launch another campus in downtown Loveland. We said, is there anyone here who would be willing to help us set up and tear down? It's going to be a lot of work, but it's going to be fun. You're going to see people's lives change that wouldn't be changed if we didn't step out. So Ryan and his family, actually Ryan volunteered his family, <laughs> the dad. They started setting up and um, week after week after week. Here's what's interesting. Kai, who's 20 years old, all of his life had been in church, but had never seen anything in church compelling enough to cause him to put his faith in Jesus. But when he watched his father spend himself building God's house every weekend, Kai not only volunteered every Sunday morning to help, but in one of those weekend services in the place that they set up, he put his faith in Jesus. And we set up a portable baptistry. And I want you to see this picture. And then Ryan had the privilege of baptizing his own son, Kai, at that beautiful theater. Come on, that's a beautiful picture right there. 
Here's my point. Here's my point. Generosity spreads the kingdom. And in Ryan's house, the kingdom of God had not spread to Kai's heart until Ryan said, I'm gonna start giving away some of the grace that God's given me. And that's my prayer for you. Because when God gives you grace, he gives you enough to go around. Amen? You guys glad you came to church today? Let me pray for you and then we'll turn it over. Father, I thank you so much that you are good, you're faithful. I pray, Lord, that you would light our hearts on fire to look for places to spend this this grace, these miracles that you've given us. We bless you, we honor you, and we say from this moment forward, we will build your kingdom. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, love you guys.